0: Welcome to the 180 Ministry Podcast. Please check us out at the 1-80.org. This is uh, our continuation and probably the last part in our study on faith. Of course, there's a plethora of different subjects on faith. And we'll be touching on that as we go forth. But this is uh, probably after this, we might be taking another, or I might be taking another direction. But we're gonna be continuing in this theme of faith and understanding what God desires that we would do with the faith that he gives to us. Um, Romans chapter 12, and I believe it's verse three, tells us that God has dealt To every man and woman, a measure of faith. And so, who is the originator of salvation? God. Who is the originator of repentance? Does anyone know? Can we manufacture repentance? No, right? The Bible tells us God has given Christ to be the one that gives unto Israel forgiveness and repentance, So repentance cannot even be fabricated by the human heart. But something that blew my mind away within the past two years is the understanding that even faith does not originate with us. God gives us the faith of Christ. And then through the trials of life, he expands that faith. As we are tested, our faith grows. But if we are not tested, then what do you think happens? Our faith remains It remains stagnant or it goes down, right? To the point that the experience of the Christian is no longer an experience of faith, but an experience of doubt. And so this is why God allows the trials of life that our faith may grow and develop and deepen. And so we've been looking at a few aspects of faith. We've been looking at the faith of the leper. That faith was a faith that was undaunted, It was a faith that was determined even in the midst of facing rejection by a multitude of people that were following Christ. He still went to the Son of Man, received the healing that God desired to give him, and that he had faith that Christ would give him. By the word and by a touch, Christ brought this man to the point that he had no leprosy. He eradicated, and we saw basically that that is a symbol that he can eradicate sin how? Does anyone remember how Jesus healed that man? Was it gradually or was it immediately? Immediately. And it is the same way that God deals with sin in our lives. As we come to him, he forgives us of our past and our present sin gradually, immediately. Right? A leprosy is a symbol of sin in scripture. And so Jesus touched that man and he was restored immediately. Now we saw that there was a greater faith than even undaunted faith. Does anyone remember what that faith was? What was that? It's with the soldier. Now do you remember what faith we called his faith? It starts with an I. in intelligent faith, right? So Jesus Christ saw the centurion and the centurion said to him that basically as I give a command, all my soldiers obey that command. And in the same way, I know that if you just give the word, angels will obey and at your will they will go forth and impart healing virtue so this centurion this gentile understood how the kingdom of god works and how god works to bring healing to the lives of men and women and so he had a faith that was even greater than the faith of the leper how do we know that jesus says i have not seen such great faith no not even in israel So that means the faith of the centurion was greater than even the faith of the leper. Because the leper was an Israelite. And so friends, now we're going to see what God wants us to do with that faith. He wants us to have an undaunted faith. And he wants us to go beyond an undaunted faith to an intelligent faith as to how he works in the life. And then friends, with that faith of how he works, we're going to see today that he wants us to do a work. All right. So as we go into our message today, let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you will illuminate our minds as we go into this subject, healed to serve. I pray that you might inspire our hearts and draw us ever closer to you and give us a desire greater and greater with each day that goes by. A passion to live a life of service. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Let all of God's people say, amen, amen. All right, so you have your Bibles with you. I want you to go with me to our next story in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and we're now going to look at verse 14. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14. So we've seen undaunted faith of the leper. We've seen a greater faith than undaunted faith, and that is the faith of the centurion. A Gentile had more faith than an Israelite. And we saw the powerful point that that means that there are people outside of even God's remnant movement. That can have a faith greater than God's people, right? <laughs> greater than those even within the remnant. But let it not be so for long. Because if what it should be is that with the increase of light, should be the increase of faith. So if God has given us the light for this time, our faith should be in proportion to that light, right? So in light of this, now we go forward in verse 14. It says in verse 14, and when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick with fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. Now this is powerful because as we look at this story here, we're seeing that Jesus has done some powerful miracles. By the situation with the leper, he healed the leper immediately as he touched him and spoke the word to him. By the situation with the centurion, he did the very a very similar thing. And as the centurion spoke, then Jesus had his angel go forward and the angel went and healed the centurion's servant. Now, in light of this situation, we have another healing that's coming up. It says that Jesus touched Peter's mother-in-law's hand, and the fever left her. Now, I want you to notice what happens. You remember, I said that the church, every healing that Christ was doing, it was a symbol of that which he spiritually desired to do in the church. So as he healed the leper, that was a symbol that what did he desire to take away from the church sin as he healed the centurion servant we saw that the problem with the centurion servant was that the centurion servant had paralysis right he was paralyzed so he had palsy and jesus removed that palsy as his angel touched the centurion servant And what does that reveal to us? Sin, the reason that Christ desires to remove it is that sin can also lead to a state of paralysis. And so God wants to remove the paralysis that is part of the condition of his people so that they can do something. And what is that? We're finding it here. It says, And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. So notice what happens here. This woman, and it had to be that she was so accustomed to ministering that right after she was healed, immediately, what did she do? Was that? Ministry, right? She started serving immediately. And friends, the reason that this is powerful is because you remember, Each healing that Jesus did, it was a symbol of that which he desired to do in his church. So he desires to remove sin from his people. And he desires to remove what sin causes, which is paralysis. And why does he desire to remove sin and paralysis? That his church might serve that we might go forward and minister to those around us. It's powerful because what this is telling us is that as we're seeing in our message today, the title of our message today is that this woman was healed and so does Christ's desire to heal the church for the purpose of the church serving. We have been healed that we might serve. God wants to use his people to do a work in the world. In other words, we must have a faith. This is the third aspect of faith that I want us to see. God wants to give us a faith, but it is not only for our own healing. This leper came to Jesus Christ because he wanted that healing, Uh, The centurion came to Jesus, intelligent concerning how he works, because he wanted his servant healed. In this case, we're going to see something powerful about Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this, friends? We saw it in the last message, but we're going to dig a little deeper into it today. When Jesus healed the centurion's servant, you remember, how was the healing done? And we mentioned it a number of times here today already. Through an angel, right? And it was done immediately, within the self same hour, this servant was healed, okay? Now how was he healed, how did you guys say it? Immediately and by whom? By an angel who imparted that healing virtue. Now don't miss that, because what is that revealing to us about Jesus? Jesus, while fully God, was dependent on beings that he's actually over. Do you see that? Do you see how close he came to humanity? Actually, not even close. He became human. So he, being the creator of angels, Now that he is a human being, he became, as the Bible says, a little lower than the very beings he created. And so now the creator becomes dependent on the very angels that he made to impart healing virtue. Does that make sense? Friends, this is some serious stuff. It's some intense stuff that we're seeing about Jesus Christ that the Son of God, the highest being in the universe. In the category, when you look at the universe, there are two categories. Do you know that? Only two categories. The category of created and that which is not created. (laughs) Which category is Jesus a part of? Right, he's not created, right? He's the highest being in the universe. Uh, one of the ways that I love to put it is that um, when I'm talking sometimes to some of my friends and we're talking about the divinity of Christ, I was doing research on it and the, the word that is used when it comes to Jesus Christ and his Father, because we, we normally understand that the Father is God. Of course, we know that, right? Right? But the term that is used when it comes to Jesus and his Father, when we look at age difference, the word that is used is coeval. Not coeval, but coeval. C o a c o e v a l, And the word there means the same age. So when we look at Jesus Christ... (laughs) and we look at the father, this is a situation where we see, if I were to ask you, how old is God? What would you tell me? (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's exactly it. The father and the son, this is one of the rare instances in the entire universe where the son is the same age as his father. God and Christ have existed from eternity past, one with each other, having no beginning and having no ending. Friends, this is the creator that we're talking about. And this creator became a human being and entered so deeply into the human condition that he was dependent on his father's angels, on the very angels that he made to go about doing this work of healing. So what does that mean? Friends, when Christ healed an individual, he had to have just as much faith as the individual being healed. Does that make sense? So, so when, when the leper said, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean, it was not only the leper that had to have faith. It was Jesus that had to have abiding faith in his father. Lord, I believe that as I speak this word to this leper, I believe that as I lay hold of him, that you will do the work. When the centurion came to him and said, heal my servant, please. Friends, Jesus had to believe that as he spoke that word, angels were already on the way to that servant to bring healing to that servant. Christ became one with us. As we must be dependent on the Father, we have a perfect example in the Son. Perfect reliance upon the Father and that the Father will do this work of healing. And what was the work? What was the reason that Christ had to have faith? We see that Christ has faith in his Father as we must have, but I want you to see something with Jesus Christ Christ had a faith, get this, he had a faith that works. In other words, it's not just that I believe in God. He went forth serving, believing that God would work in his behalf. And so what we're realizing through the life of Jesus and through this mother-in-law of Peter that Jesus healed is that Jesus was not just about speaking, he was not just about teaching, but he went forth ministering to others, having full faith that his father would do this work of healing in the lives of others. In other words, he had faith and works combined. He was serving because he trusted. His service was an evidence of his faith. He believed that as he went forward in faith... That God would work on his behalf. Friends, this is how it must be with each and every one of us. More so than God is desiring to bring people to his church, more than this, he is desiring for the church to go to the people. I have heard it said that um, uh, many times we say, Lord, I want a divine appointment. How many of you have heard that statement before? Right? I even say that statement at times. And then God had to show me, Akeem, that's not the only way that it works. It's not just that you say you're desiring a divine appointment. No, what I want you to do is not just say that, but I want you to go and seek divine appointments. To believe that as you go, I will open the doors for you to reach others, for you to testify of my love. Friends, I'm not sure if I mentioned it to you before, but I had an experience like that just a few, um, probably a month ago now, where I went out and I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna share the gospel with others. I'm not sure if I told you this. I went down to, I, I was reading one day I'm sitting down in my, um, in my room and I was reading about the ministry of Christ. The book was called The Ministry of Healing. As I was reading the book, I was thinking, man, Christ was so serious about service. And then I went to another book. My mom and I, we've been giving each other this challenge. We say, we have to read at least a book a month. And I have miserably failed at doing that. But my mom has been up to date. She's probably beyond that, um, the month that we're in right now. But I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to seek to keep up with her. And one of the books that I've read was called Cole Porter Evangelist. How many of you have heard of that book? All right. So I read that book and it was talking about how the minister and those who are part of the church, they should endeavor to always carry tracks on them that they might share it with the people. And I was blown away by that, I was like, wow, so you just gotta be continually ready and open to share the truth. And so as I was reading that, I was like, Lord, I'm gonna get tracks and I'm gonna disseminate them in the area where I am. And so I live close to downtown Silver Spring. How many of you have been to downtown Silver Spring? All right, so you know that that place is usually popular, it's usually crowded. People are going to work, there's apartments around that area. And so God was telling me one day he said I want you now to go out today and to make your faith practical. And so I said, "Lord, all right, I'm going to take this and I'm going to I'm going to try it out. I'm going to go out and I'm going to hand out these tracts." And so as I went to my car friends, I drove over to the place downtown Silver Spring and I sat in the car and I was sitting there for like about 15 minutes. And I was in that car and I said, Lord, do you really want me to do this? Now, of course, does the Lord want me to do this? Of course, (laughs) because he wants truth to get into the hands of the people. And so I was reading there and I used every excuse in the world to keep reading and not to get out of my car. And the spirit of God moved upon me and he said, Akeem, you need to get out and you need to go and reach out to others. And so friends, I got out and I started going down the street and I kept it in my mind. If anyone rejects a track, the word that kept coming back to my mind was the same word that God told Samuel as as the people wanted a king. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me. So don't worry about being offended if someone says to you, no. Just tell them God bless you and keep going. And so I got out and I saw this guy with his window down and I said, okay, I'm gonna get this guy. So I went over to him and I said, hey, sir, I just wanted to give you something to read. And this guy, he, he, he reached out and he said, yeah, thank you. And he took it. Next person I went to, they took the track. I said, I'm gonna hand out 20 tracks today. This is my goal for today. And so as I handed it to the third person, that was a shot to the heart. Person said, I don't want it. No, thank you. And God says, Remember what I told you. And immediately I said to that individual, God bless you. And I kept going, undaunted, having the intelligent faith that angels were working with me. Even if I couldn't see them, they were there with me. And so then I went up the stairs. There was a big skating ring in downtown Silver Spring. And so I went up the stairs to the skating ring. And there was a man sitting there and I extended my hand and I was about to give him a track. And this guy looked, have I told you guys this story? All right, praise the Lord. So, <laughs> so as I was giving the guy the track, the guy got offended. And so not only did he get offended, he looked at me and he said, do you know who I am? I was like, uh, in my head, I was like, no, I don't, but I I just went along with it, and I said, no, I mean, tell me about it, Tell, tell me who you are, and so I was trying to spark up a conversation, and you could tell this guy was half drunk, half sober, and so I could smell, literally smell the alcohol on him, and so as he was talking to me, all of a sudden, I realized as he was talking to me, God was convicting me. Just look at his demeanor. And what happened, friends, was so interesting. As he's talking to me, he's telling me his testimony, the testimony about his life and how God had worked in his life as a young child. And so I was like, whoa. And you know what's happening? As he's telling me the story, he's getting more sober so this was so weird and he was telling me how God worked in his life and healed him as a young child of a major wound that he had and so I'm listening to him and God says now as he gets to the end and you're looking at his demeanor and he's becoming more sober offer him the track again at the end and then offer to pray with him and so as he comes to the end now I said sir thank you for sharing your testimony with me. I was blessed by that testimony. Would you like, would you like this track? And he said, man, of course. Of course I would take it, (laughs) right? And so he takes the track. The track was a track on the three angels' messages, the last call to planet Earth. And so as I gave him the track, he took the track, and I said, I wanted to do one more thing if you don't mind. I would love to pray with you. And he said, please pray with me. And so I prayed with him. Now, as I'm praying with him, another guy just a few feet away, who's about early 20s, he's sitting there and he's listening to us. And so guess who I'm going to next? I'm going to that guy. So we finished praying and I said, blessings to you, sir. And I go right over to that guy. And I said, hey, man, I wanted to know if I could just share something with you. You can check it out. And as I'm having my hand extended, this guy looks at me in the face and he says, well, I mean, what is it? And that's all he needed to ask me. And so I I looked at him and I said, brother, this is a trap that possesses a message of hope, especially in the times that we are living in. And if you read this, it can give you hope, regardless of what you're facing, I said, brother, what's your name? And he looked at me, and he smiled. And he said, my name is Noah. And I said, Noah, is that right? And I began to talk to him about scripture. And ultimately, I said, brother, let me pray with you and ask God to bless you. And so he said, brother, please. And so I prayed with him. His heart now open and left him with the track. After I left him, I went forth (laughs) just totally encouraged and I just shared the rest of the tracks that I intended to share and friends it was so amazing God was showing me by the time I got back to my car God says God began to convict my heart Akeem it is not so much that you need to ask me for divine appointments it is that you must go out in search of them knowing that I will give them to you. For it is my will that people come to a light of the truth. You don't have to ask me if this is my will. It is my will that people be saved. And so go out trusting in me. And this is the kind of faith that Christ had. What I was exhibiting that day, what Christ possessed was two billion times that. (laughs) His life was ever lived in service. God had raised him up, strengthened his faith for over 30 years, and then sent him out for three and a half years in order to give evidence to that faith by works. Inspiration tells us this, and Paul tells it to us as well, that we must have a faith that works by love and purifies the soul. In other words, it must be a faith that is activated by love itself. Love for who? Love for God? And no man can truly love God and not love his fellow man. Therefore, my love for God is evidenced by how I treat others. And I know that if I were in a lost state, knowing the truth that I do today, I would want someone to come to me and tell me. Friends, there are many out there like that. And as Jesus understood this and combined faith and works, a work that he did because he loved humanity, it resulted in him becoming prominent before the people, that more people would then know the truth. The Bible tells us actually, as we continue, it says in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 8, And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. And when the even was come, look at what happens after this one healing. It says, When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word (laughs) and healed all that were sick. His word had that much power. By the word, he cast out the demons. And then it says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So, friends, what we're seeing here is that as Jesus did this one healing, he healed the leper, then he healed the centurion servant, then he healed Peter's mother-in-law. As a result of this, the news of his compassion and his healing spread abroad. And the people came. This is what I truly believe that God desires for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That the people of the remnant might be known as a people of compassion and healing. A people to whom has been given the work of ministering not only to the the physical or the spiritual necessities of men and women, but also their physical needs as well meeting them where they are. This is why I'm so thankful that each Monday, I'm thankful because we have, a, we have a combination of it already and God is laying that foundation to even carry us further because we have during the week, we have the aspect of the recovery program. That we're doing. We have the aspect of the spiritual in which we are studying the Bible during the week. We have the aspect that on Mondays we're meeting the people at the pantry. And what I believe is that God is using this as a foundation to take us to another level whereby He can bring us into prominence before the people that people might know that this church is a people of compassion, of healing, and of the word itself. Friends, God desires to raise up a people that ministers to every aspect of man, to the physical, to the spiritual, and to the emotional aspect of every man and woman within our community. The way that men and women will know this is the same way that they came to know Jesus Christ the news of him spread abroad because he was not only interested in the proclamation of the word, but he met men and women where they are. May God do the same through each and every one of us. He has begun doing it already and may he do it all the more that men may know that God's people are people of love. They give evidence to their faith by their works and that work Works, that work of faith works by love itself. May that be our ambition and may that be our experience. Amen. Amen. Let us bow our heads at this time for a word of prayer. The appeal that I want to bring forth to us today is if you desire that God may cause your faith and mine to be evidenced by our works of love and compassion, of true obedience to the law of love, that people might know that, wow, Pasadena SDA Church, these people are different. If that is your desire today, then I ask you to raise your hands as we pray. Amen, amen. Father in heaven, you see the hands raised, the heads bowed, the eyes closed. I pray that you would do this marvelous work within us as you have already begun to do. I pray that you may continue to do it in us and continue to take us to higher levels. We know that with higher levels of responsibility come greater testing. But Father, we know that as you have kept us, you will continue to keep us. Strengthen us to abide in you that as Peter's mother-in-law was, so shall we be healed to serve, raised up, our paralysis removed, and our sins forgiven, that we may in turn go forth and introduce men and women to the same one that healed us. Do this work in us, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen please look us up online at the 1-80.org and at the 180 YouTube channel. Please reach out to us with any questions or prayer requests. Until next time, thanks for listening.